When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Game of Thrones 2 Electric Bookaloo. I'm your host, Anthony. This week, Steve and I talk about Eastwatch. This is the episode where Braun pulls Jamie from the river. Sam explains to Gilly what an annulment is. And Davos visits every city in Westeros in a single episode. After Steve and I discuss this episode, I'll include a short clip of my conversation with my friend Arthur Jomfa. Okay. Without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. So there's a couple things that I, I really liked about this episode. I laughed out loud a couple times, really great parts. But the first thing I wanted to ask you was, I want to ask you about this scene where Tyrion's walking through the battlefield. Yeah. Because that sounded a, that scene looked a lot like your dream. Yeah, it really did. That was kind of a bizarre moment for me. Because it's like, it's all ash. It just looks like it's a total burnt out rubble heap, right? Yeah. And he's just kind of walking haphazardly through it, just viewing the the horrors of war. And I thought, I didn't actually remember that scene, but watching it this time, I was like, oh, Steve dreamed this. (laughs) Yeah, there's just no Jason Fabe. As far as I can tell. That you know. I could do a rewatch. Um. (laughs) Well, and it, it, but I kind of I liked it for for several reasons. Uh, uh, because there is, like I said, like the horrors of war is walking through it. Um, yeah. Uh, there's the the sense of well, these are the people that I I fought for uh, at one point. Um, and also it's like the romance of the dragons met the reality of the carnage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you saw that with. Where Drogon's kind of up on this little hill, and the lighting is really low, and you actually see like the sun shining behind Drogon. It's just, it's just it's just beautiful. It's a beautifully shot scene with some amazing CGI, right? Right. So you're right. So it's just kind of like the romance of this fantasy world. There's the dragon, and then what's going to happen right after that is that Danny is going to go full Dracarys. On Tarly and Tarly Jr., right? Yeah. We're getting a little bit more of that. Like, the the romance of the dragon is almost giving way to the the carnage, the reality of the carnage of the dragon. Because I think it almost feels on some level that there was kind of a hope that you want, you, you, have, your, you have your cake and eat it too, right? We've got the dragons, but we don't have to mm-hmm. unleash the dragons. The threat of the dragon should be enough. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then he sees it, and he's like, and then like even when Jamie, because I mean Jamie's reaction is is great. I really think that that's Jamie has the reaction that we've all been kind of saying, like, well, Danny just seems unstoppable if she's got dragons and Dothraki and all this stuff. And then Jamie sees it firsthand and is like, 
yeah, we, you know what? Your your scorpion crossbow thing, real cute. Yeah, it's real <laughs> cute. You better you have to hit that thing square in between the eyes, or you're yeah. dead, or you're all dead. <laughs> We're all. I mean, and that's. I mean, I guess you could. I mean, if you were Cersei. You'd be making like a thousand of those, right? That's that's the other thing is you just have a bunch of them and you just uh, you know you because fire because them all. John, John and Danny and company they are taking their sweet time, you know. Well, apparently, <laughs> um, J- Braun and Jamie somehow floated down river, yeah, and far enough away from the battle so that no one saw them go down river, right? In armor. In armor, I, what, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jamie yeah. had a lot of mud on him. I, I, at least that they did, they did that part of it. But yeah, I mean, immediately it was sort of like, wait a second, wait a second. Um, I don't know. How much of this did you kind of? How much of this deterred from your enjoyment of the episode? Um, not a bunch but it was definitely one where i mean again it, the last episode was so great yeah uh, and, exactly. and you do run into a lot of times those episodes that are really great are like the episode nine followed by a 10 that may not have as much action but right. it has something super tense and exciting so y- you can kind of ride that wave this was a little bit more of an abrupt end uh, or a, an abrupt uh, shift um yeah. there are there were many more ep- more moments where i was like hmm and I don't like that because then that takes you away from, from, from just the raw enjoyment of it. Um, yeah, for me it was like a little bit like how'd they get down river? How'd no yeah, one see them? And that's how right did they the survive gate. at all? Right out the and gate, then, that's the case. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, hmm, okay, so we're setting a tone, going, oh, there's, they're just out. Oh, <laughs> all right. And then, and then I get to hear. Jamie and Braun kind of have this little banter, and I kind of feel like I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I get to hear Braun and yeah, Jamie yeah. have banter a little bit, and so I'm enjoying this. I'll kind of forget the rest of that stuff. Just don't remind me that you fast forward people down the river again this episode, and I'll be fine. Um, I started this episode thinking, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna enjoy it. I'm just gonna enjoy the show. I'm not gonna let my sentinel mind ruin this for me mm-hmm. and guess what it it didn't you weren't I, able to support it i wasn't able to hold off my critical thinking skills you because you it's because you know what is to come and you're no, looking no no oh, specifically well. no 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 specifically about this episode not any not any end game issues my my issues for this episode were a lot of the fast forward button things oh okay right? and this is i will be honest this is the first We've talked about this a few episodes, and I've not been having the same issue that you have. I mean, yeah. I, I acknowledge them, but I don't have it felt the um, – I didn't feel the same. Like, I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, I kind of was okay with the pacing because it was, it was sort of mirroring mm-hmm. my own sense of urgency. This episode, it was a little more stark for me that uh, – oh, Yeah, I think that you could okay. call it a pacing issue, but there's also some plot issues that I really had problems with. And I won't belabor them. I mean, I don't think people want to hear me go on and on. But we just go right from, like, we see <laughs> Braun saves Jamie, and then the next time we see Braun, 
Uh, oh yeah, he's brokered a, a meeting with Tyrion. I was like, well, when did this and how and what? <laughs> how did they, how'd they get that done so fast? Right? How'd they? And yeah, and then he's just like, all right, he's up on shore, and it's like, well, I if mean, you just follow Davos, like, what? Where's what Davos, a Davos in this episode? Heavy episode man. <laughs> Davos, Davos is on Dragonstone, mm-hmm. where they're like hatching this grand plan. You know, then you cut away to Cersei and Jaime. The very next scene, you got Davos and King's Landing. All right, fine. All right, you, you you fast forwarded it, and then in the same episode, you had him go back to Dragonstone, mm-hmm. and then go up to the Wall. If you had no map in your head, it maybe isn't an issue. But here's the other thing about this: part well, of what I love about we this see show, the map every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part of what I've loved about this show is that it's. It tries to be realistic about the limitations of the characters. And for instance, like in episode two of the entire series, like season one, episode two, Robert and Ned are on their way on the King's Road and they're heading down to King's Landing. It just takes a while to get places. Mm -hmm. And because it takes a while to get places, chaos happens, right? Right. Little kids get into fights and then wolves get involved and it sets these wars in motion. Right. Right? Or Jamie and and Jamie and Brienne can't get to King's Landing fast enough and it results in Jamie losing a hand. And so or for instance, it it takes a while to go from point A to point B on a ship and guess what? You're on maybe in the in the middle of right. point A and point B. So there's a lot of the plot that happens on the road, and in this episode, it felt like, forget all the roads. We, we, we've we got a DeLorean here, and right. we're just going to zip around as if there's no problem. So, I mean, it may seem like an odd thing, because I really love all the characters, and I really like all of the exchanges, and I laughed out loud a, a couple times, and I'm, I get to be in the world of Game of Thrones, which is, you know, one of my favorite little fantasy lands to visit. But part of the, what makes me like the little fantasy excursion is the way that they've constructed the world, and now they're breaking their own rules. Yeah, no, I and I, I agree because it was you'd expect this kind of movement from the A team. <laughs> well, and there was a little A team vibe at the at the end of this right. episode. <laughs> so there, so it does have. So that's yeah, and I would say that that definitely it. It a lot felt rushed, like it just. And to your point, it's well. So everyone's just chilling while they're making their way to all these different places, because that's what it feels. Because I mean, to get to get mm-hmm. to, even just to go back to the Tyrion to Bronn thing, in order to make that happen, time has to take place. There has to be a correspondence, which I guess involves birds, and <laughs> yeah, and so you got to send it out. You got to get the agreement. You got, and then and then you then you get him there and he's like and also i'm just kind of like um i know there's been some turnover <laughs> in king's landing yeah um but like they don't they don't, they're not sure it's Tyrion. like r- right <laughs> i'm like for one thing what? it'd be one thing if every time we see king's landing it's just peppered with dwarves <laughs> the other thing is that i think it's like there's a general cultural rule that you you come up with your two stupidest guys, and those are the people you put on guard. Yeah, yeah. like every season we've had this issue. Yeah, like yeah. the person who's guarding your most important asset 
is probably your stupidest guy. <laughs> right. Well, right. So, and, and also, like I said, I mean, it's not like if, if Tyrion was like dressed in rags or something, you might go, ah, it's another one of them poor dwarves. But like, here comes a little regal dwarf. <laughs> How many of these are there in the entire kingdom? Uh, so well we did see a, a, an actor dwarf and he you know he could dress up like Tyrion right but and they would have just cut his head off on principle that's what they've been doing <laughs> supposedly right. find a dwarf kill a dwarf that's what Cersei wants and <laughs> and keep in mind and again I understand this is not what the show has taken it but I'm like if this were in the book hey that platinum blonde dwarf with no nose yeah <laughs> That's probably Tyrion. I wonder Lannister. if he knows Tyrion. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't want to belabor this point, but I do want to make... It, it does relate to the, the major plot of this episode and the rest of the season. So, John gets a raven from Bran and says, The Night King is on the move. Come as quick as you can. I mean, I'm assuming that's what the raven says, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because... Because John's got this huge sense of urgency, like I gotta go, like you gotta let me go. I'm I'm going back north, uh, right. I, it, and we're gonna fight with whatever men we have, right? Uh, it just seems like this is so urgent. He's prepared to just fight and lose, right? And then Tyrion hatches a plan that requires them to make an alliance with Cersei. But before they make an alliance with Cersei, any proof? They need they need to do a little expedition north of the Wall. Well, what Tyrion is suggesting here, and no one in the room apparently is smart enough to point this out, is like, oh well, Tyrion, your plan's gonna take like five months. Yeah. And here, John John wants to like go fight right now. And then John just is completely turned around by it because he's thinking, well, more armies, maybe I can make this happen. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a, that's a long road, but maybe, you know, I, I maybe I should just trust that they're these storytellers. But by the end of the episode, that expedition is north of the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's sort of like, uh, well, if the point here was urgency. Then how are you? And this episode is supposed to span like months. Then why is John think that this is going to work anyway? The timing is an issue, and the other thing is that is this a great plan to show Cersei a yeah a zombie it, of all? And it, yeah, I guess that I think that was my bigger thing. I'm like, okay, you wanna you wanna essentially create a truth, which is what I, what I've been talking about the whole time, which is like if, I've always felt like at some point the threat from beyond the wall has to unite everybody but i never necessarily saw it as like like this like a planned unification i saw it more as a oh crap like like i i envisioned from a narrative perspective like it would have i mean who am i to put it but i mean or or suggest but i mean i was always like i I went back to the the stannis would team up with john they would fight ramsey then the right. White Walkers would show up, and then now they all have to turn their attention like mid battle, right? And right, then, right, right, and right. then, like they can stave them off, but then now there's like that's where the troops come from. Like they they staved off a a, a bit of them and said, okay, look, we've got to right now. We got to. So we have, you we didn't have to get the same that, things. but this is something of a parallel, right? So it's something of a parallel, but 
without the immediacy, right? So that's the thing is for me, that was the only way to get people to believe. I mean, I do agree, right? Like, so I think Tyrion's plan is actually what I'm saying is like, in order for them, anybody to combine forces, they have to see the evidence firsthand. Um, but this is a very convoluted way to get there. Um, I understand if they just went and fought the White Walkers and then, mm -hmm. you know, the King's Landing people, yeah, we'll just let them die and we'll just wait it out. I mean, mm -hmm. like, that's also something, it isn't until it's an imminent threat to King's Landing and, and I still don't know that, I just don't know if it's, it would be Cersei's character to be like, oh, yeah, here, look, here's a zombie. Like, well, all right, fine. Let's, I, I, she doesn't strike me as anybody who cares about it. Yeah, you're, you're really, aside from the pacing and the timing issues, the chronology, you're really, I mean, you imagine, we want to believe Tyrion's a really smart guy, right? So, man, he's putting a lot of eggs in that Cersei basket. And I don't think that that, and it doesn't sound like that's based on it. Because I guess, <laughs> and all, yeah, I, I would see Tyrion doing that if he was to be like, oh, crap, I saw a White Walker. Guys, this is the real deal. We've got to yeah, get Cersei. Sure. Like, 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 to the point where he feels a sense of urgency that it might even betray some of his his strategic thinking this is his strategic thinking to go oh well we'll yeah. just show cersei this and it's like cersei is 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 pretty much a it feels like a nihilist at this point cersei feels like she is just look i'm gonna i'll die on this throne she's this is the person that just blew up an entire public space her public and, space. and probably yeah and probably murdered hundred people that she had no feelings for whatsoever just to get at the three people that she wanted dead right, right. so you're putting a lot of eggs in that in, in, in and in a basket that may be a little bit psychopathic right yeah so, you're, you're trying to reason I mean and so just the any idea of a truce right now just seems so far-fetched uh, and now I could see if I was going to think about it from Tyrion's perspective, it could be that, all right, Tyrion's maybe not convinced that there's an undead army, but he kind of likes the idea of unifying the North and the North with Danny's cause. Mm -hmm. And so maybe Tyrion's thinking, if this is what it takes to get these two together, these two crazy kids together, right? then we're going to do a little zombie meet cute North of the wall or something. Right. To make sure that these, they, you know, I, I kind of nudge these two along because I really need this alliance or something like that. But hey, you I can't do the, recon the story that's... on a dragon. You can't just <laughs> don't go down. Just fly above. Uh, all right. Um, I really loved the. I mean, there's so much I loved about this episode. I, I the uh, the Jamie Tyrion reunion. I mean, there's it, such a complicated relationship between those two you know you get i almost got the sense that with jamie when he said i said i'd cut you in half like he was really thinking about it and then you know Tyrion, of course kind of turns that conversation toward a joke and i think that kind of reminds jamie like why he loves Tyrion in the first place and he you know he's pissed off at him and he maybe hates him but he still loves him yeah. just a lot of complexity there that this show does really well. Yeah, and then Tyrion has his, like, you know, like, he tries to appeal to him as a brother. You yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. I, I didn't want to be made this way, blah, 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 and then Jamie just cuts him off. And I think that was kind of, that, that was effective, I thought, where, like, where Tyrion sees him 
sort of shift a little bit like okay he recognizes that i'm the brother and so then he wants to have a brotherly conversation but then jamie cuts it off and it, i think that's an important dynamic because jamie jamie's all in on this whole cersei thing and he has to be and he and he's he's the the conflict he's he's always conflicted when he's away from cersei it's like some sort of like uh you know his kryptonite is anything away from cersei uh-huh and so he's trying to to cling um so so the, that kind of scene is effective but i still was like oh that was pretty quick how we got there um and it seemed like there was a lot of those right a lot of those well mm. okay this is good but all right i have to sort of suspend that and and uh when i'm looking for suspension of certain um of, uh, suspension of of disbelief and all that i could do that with some of the magic but then but like to your point, these are all logistical realities that the show has prioritized up until this point, mm -hmm. and and you can't and, and if you change the rules on them uh, on us, then the the rules that I, I I've grown accustomed to are now all so flexible that I'm like, well, now I, the risk is run that you can just bend your way out of everything because yeah. we're already doing that i mean we this episode was probably the most egregious again when it comes to the timing and then the, like then even and, and like heather's big thing was like well did you really think aria would fall for Littlefinger with all that she's been trained for like i, I mean well okay so that Maybe was a discussion not. because it was and i and my, i actually like that I, I like the idea that little figure is actually pretty good at this too it's like aria is spying and then part of me thought why not use a face like if you're spying sure that's what i was thinking use a face um i mean i guess you probably have to walk around as walder Frey or whatever it's not like she has unlimited faces <laughs> yeah i thought about that satchel. too like, she's gonna <laughs> slice one of the people that she's like supposedly friendly with them uh yeah so but i do like the idea i did like the idea that okay uh little finger so good that even with Arya's all, all of Arya's training, and she's also young. I mean, that's the other thing. She's young, and she doesn't know how good he is. She might he's be. so good that he's actually spying on the person who's spying on him. Mm -hmm. He's been doing this for a while, man. I mean, and you know, all that time she was trained with the sword and all of that business. Yeah, you know, hanging out with the acting troupe. Littlefinger's been doing nothing but conniving. Right, like, that's what he does. Right, so I do like the idea that he's. He's still pretty formidable. Now, I, if he was doing this with Bran, I'd have a different pro. I'd have a different issue. Sure. Yeah, and it, I don't know. It, it, and maybe I think part of that too is just like Littlefinger is is effectively frustrating um, in the show. Mm -hmm. And then as as somebody you're watching, you're just like ah, just it's like you reach. I, I feel like I'm reaching. Um, you're sort of reaching my bandwidth on. Mm -hmm. on little because like little finger and 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 again i think this is and maybe it's juxtaposed to the pacing or at least the the rule breaking of timing on the show like they yeah. really like little finger is a long game player and so they play him out with the long game and so you you only get you only get complications very little resolution um so that tension juxtaposed well he's an a he's a chaos agent too i think right. it's like yeah, he's not really sure what the end game is going to be, but he knows if he throws a wrench into the works, something crazy is going to happen, and then he'll kind of decide like the various possibilities that are most advantageous to him. 
once everyone else is reeling. Right? If he wants to be on the throne, then the main goal is to make sure nobody else is in a position to get it. Sure. So, so if you can do that, I mean, that's easy. Like, well, like like Vera said, like he could actually be on the throne. He does not mind ruling over the ashes. Right. And that's the whole thing about the chaos is the latter concept, right? It's like, mm-hmm. look, I, I sow this chaos and then it and then it as it takes care of itself, I take a next step up. All right, now what? Do I have to sow more chaos? That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I just need to I need to be able to create the chaos, stand back from it, overcome it, and then whatever, you know, it, it just lays waste to whatever. Like if, if sure. and so that that makes sense to me, right? I mean that and I and I think that that's been still an effective he's an effective foil for the for the progress of the show. And that's and that's but I think the reason why I might have been a little bit less patient with him and the chaos sowing in this episode is because I think it all does come back to the fact that everything else was on fast forward. So meanwhile, yeah. everything else is yeah. like, yep, yeah, and we go here and we go here and then we go here and then everybody agrees. Okay, fine. On to the next thing. Everybody agrees. Okay, fine. Hey, this guy's an enemy. Mm, not today. On to the next thing. And meanwhile, he's lurking and I'm like, well, we, I got it lurking over here at a very slow pace. And I'm like, did he do this? Well, and that's over five months that everybody's been doing the other stuff. See, that's the that's the chaos problem that I'm starting to feel because, all right. So you established this rule early on about getting from point A to point B is actually kind of difficult, and now you're breaking that rule, and just breaking one of these little rules, you don't know the consequences. So I mean, maybe the consequence for all of the fast forwarding in these other scenes means that. The scene with Littlefinger lands differently than it would have otherwise. Right. Even though it has really nothing to do with that scene, it's where your headspace is when you receive the scene. Um. So, I don't know. All right. So, a couple of things that I thought were hilarious. Um. Tyrion tells Jorah, "Nobody glowers like yeah, you." Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I I just I was laughing hard at that one. Um. Sam and G- <laughs> Sam and Gilly. Uh. Sa- Sam's a great actor sometimes. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, he's a great actor. And uh, he, seeing Sam, who's generally pretty gregarious, get really annoyed at uh, Maester Maynard or whatever, mm-hmm. who's who's documenting all of his, his uh, you know, many shits throughout the year. So funny. It's great. And they're, they're actually delivering some really crucial information. Through that scene, right? Um, this whole business about her asking, what's an annulment? And it seems like someone named Rhaegar got an annulment. Right, right. And then Sam is like, he's not hearing it because he's just pissed off. Yeah, I like that. because that I No am... one sees the big, bigger picture, Yeah, because right? I'm sitting there listening to them like, annulment? Oh, Rhaegar, wait a minute. You know, and, I'm, and again, I'm not great at putting all this together historically, but I'm like this this is this is this is now all starting to like the pieces are starting to at least get on <laughs> i feel like well i love that he's pissed off at them because they can't see the big picture and here gilly's giving yeah. him like a huge puzzle piece and he's just right. pissed off about maester maynard or whatever right <laughs> it's fifteen thousand seven hundred eighty-two shits <laughs> steps so that was really effective <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was great. It was that, it, and then Sam just is like he's he's over it. And I thought that was I, that was pretty cool. I like 
I like the line, um, you know, I'm tired of, uh, was it like documenting or reading the stories of Better Man or whatever it was. Right, reading about the achievements of Better Man. Yeah. I think that's, what was that, his father's line? Or yeah, whatever? I believe so. And so that's that was great. Um, did he find, did Sam ever, Sam never finds out that his dad and brother are killed. No, right? it's, in fact, it's explicitly said by the, the uh, Archmaster. And then you get the sense of like, okay, he's leaving. He's leaving at night. No one's going to be able to tell him this information yeah yeah so uh they they just said they'd keep it from him for the moment anyway uh oh and this is another so <laughs> heather just realized when that was said that she didn't make the connection that dickon and and uh, randall were <laughs> that was them oh <laughs> she's like right. wait well it doesn't help that the actors have changed right, right? And she's like well wait what? at least one of them she's like what 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 happened to his family i'm like well that's they just got cooked by the dragon he's like wait that was them and i was like yeah that was them all and i felt bad because i was like oh, i would have helped make that connection she's like well that makes all that more interesting i was like who's this old guy <laughs> and i said i understand there's a bunch of she's like yeah a bunch of haggard old white guys i they're everywhere <laughs> uh yeah so, well yeah so that was uh that's why you don't switch actors yeah because that can throw people off right and so yeah dick on we hardly knew you um yeah and i there were so yeah not to just sit there and just crap on all the uh um, the, the the problems but the problems were a little more problematic but there was some real good stuff i really like i really like the Tyrion advising like i like when he turns his back like there's something i don't know there's something very well presented about the way he has his back to the crowd to kind of tell her you know maybe we don't need to cook everybody and then she's like I, i'm gonna cook everybody all right and then he's like eh. and so there so he'd kind of he'd reached dragon fatigue at this point yeah. um and well it's his it's one of his chief concerns right right it's like are you your father right and that and i and they that's what they both of their tensions are are you still a lannister as far as I see Lannisters and he's like, uh -huh. are you still a Targaryen as far as I see Targaryens? And so there is a, I think that tension, as long as that tension keeps going, I think that's really valuable. And I think it, it's uh, it's necessary because I, that's, you know, there's tension you feel when it looks like a hound is going to eat somebody. It's the tension you feel when a white Walker mm -hmm. is dragging his way or, but there's another tension you feel when you see two people that should work together, but it's just not like they haven't fully meshed because there's so much mm. baggage and, and uh, the distrust. Right. And this is what, you know, Littlefinger has said and, and it has borne fruit throughout is like it, trust is a, is a luxury that many can't afford because, well, because trust and, seems like it's a, it's, it's traded at any given, yeah. at any given sequence based on, and, and, and I think Varys is a classic example of that. Even Varys, who kind of seems. I was just going to say, like Tyrion, again, with the middle management theme, Tyrion is there telling Danny, like, look, you got to be better than this. You got to, you can't, don't go crazy on me. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Don't go all psycho on me. And then. He turns around, and then he becomes an apologist to to Varys, right? I mean, it's classic. It's a classic kind of thing where, like, you have to manage up with Danny, and then you kind of have to defend her bad decisions yeah. to Varys. Uh, so, <laughs> and it's not working in either direction, really. 
yeah no agree it's so so the, yeah those any the the veristerian interaction is great um i like that all that tension um i'm willing to just kind of go okay that's fine we're not uh we're not too worried about the time sequence. I don't know. And that's where I guess the confusion that I have is, did this take five months or did it not take five months? How long did it take? Because no, we don't really know. Like, that's right. So let's say I'm, I, I'm thinking, let's say I want to give the showrunners the benefit of the doubt that they actually know the map in their head. Right. Right. I think, OK, well, this is a, this is an episode that takes five months. We're seeing it span five months. And then I think, boy, it didn't feel like five months. They could have, they could have made it feel like a longer period of time. There are tricks that you can do with, I don't know, facial hair and montages and spacing out scenes better. Right. And normally, what they'll do is they'll like someone will leave one episode and you won't see them for an episode, and then two episodes later they arrive where they said they were going to go. And it's a little trick that you pull because the audience is like, oh, yeah, they must have been traveling the whole time. And it wasn't eventful. Um, and so they got to their destination. But when you're when it's only a scene that's separating all of this fast forwarding. It just it feels like you're you're playing fast and loose. Yeah. And because so much else could have happened in King's Landing and Winterfell during that time frame. When you see the the back and forth that goes on there, and mm -hmm. Littlefinger doing his skulking, and then Arya and Sansa having their, and like, well, wow, were those months of her following Littlefinger? <laughs> uh, you know, this, is a, this, this cat and mouse game has just gone on forever. Right. So no, but that's but that's what you start thinking it's like well while they're going to the wall i mean like yeah there's a lot of ground that was covered other places and a Little very slow... got like a walker yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like <laughs> following him every day for five months i would expect i know he's he plays the long game but five months i feel like he would have already done more damage you know what makes me think it makes me think the showrunners don't really care about the hardcore fans at this point they're thinking they're they're kind of assuming a certain level of like, uh, I don't want to say lack of intelligence, but I I think that in the in past seasons, the showrunners have assumed a certain amount of intelligence from their fans. They'd be like, well, we can't do that because too many hardcore fans are going to notice that this is going to be a problem. But I kind of feel like with this one is like, ah, eh, just give them give them some some action sequences and some intrigue and they won't notice they won't notice all of the all the details and at that point i think well then you don't care about your most avid fans at that point i don't know if that's a good business model well yeah and you're off but you are moving towards the end uh i guess i mean it, 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 that's the problem too is so you have to start asking like well do are they aware of this issue and you have to assume that they are because it was something that was uh was a priority for them earlier well here's the other thing why do you need an 80 minute episode true like you just you you decided to do a season a truncated season but then you made some of the episodes 80 minutes long several of them mm -hmm. like five of them 80 minutes long so if you just made them all 50 minutes long and gave me nine episodes this season 
you could have you could have paced this out in a way that isn't taking me yeah out. and i and, and that's where i think it gets a little it feels a little wonky right uh, it's like an unforced error like why yeah why do it, it so and, and you mentioned before hey look these guys are getting star wars offers these guys are getting you know other series offers these guys are the kings of the world right yeah now. and they've given a decade of their life to this project and it's kind of like and in their playing, they yeah. have a little senioritis I think. I think there's that that they're playing now they're playing without um uh actual text they you know we're talking rough outlines they're trying to fill in the blanks yeah, um, yeah, yeah and yeah, i and, exactly. and i think that you know in their defense um they can still be really good and creative showrunners absolutely just, they've shown it, it, it they've absolutely right and so and, and then you say well you know but they only you know some people say well they only need they, they without the text they're kind of lost i'm like well sure <laughs> I mean, yeah because the thing is is that but most of season six was not uh i mean a lot of season six departed from the text but what we don't and yeah. it was it was really good right but what we don't know is about like now you're headed towards an end game and mm-hmm. if martin had written the end game and then they were required to fill in the, the pre stuff that's easier mm-hmm. because the first off you're not on the hook for the ending uh as much if anybody has an objection with how you ended i mean well hey you go go you go talk to mark so they're already in a bad spot yeah. right yeah, because right. the ending is now we care more about, as, as the journey goes on you care more about the ending than how we got there yeah, spirit, sure, right sure. and so they have all this or great... i mean one point that you could make is look you just just edit it a little bit better and i won't have these issues right you know well yeah know. and so that's and that's now and so here's the question right so the, i guess the where i was going to go with that is let's say they you know they they create like they, they the whole thing was an outline right and the previous six seasons had the sort of pacing that we see in this episode yeah i think yeah, we yeah. forgive it right i think yeah, i think yeah. i think we forgive it because it's what we're used to and and i don't think we would be sitting here uh going well these guys don't know what they're doing when it comes to this that or whatever and i don't say they're doing that but i think that there's more of that yeah, this we've episode. been trained to really love Tyrion's mind mm-hmm. right and then he comes up with this plan that to like Steal a zombie and show it to Cersei, and then you're thinking, "But wait a second, I I thought I, part of why I liked you is because you're super smart, and I don't think this is gonna work." Well, and I'm kind of also <laughs> in the boat that says, "If you have Danny on your side with dragons and Dothraki and all that, like, why? Do, what? How much more helpful is Cersei and her army?" Well, the, here's that's the point. Danny won't go north. Because she's because that that gives basically it gives Cersei all of the Southern Kingdom. Sure, okay. It's, Cersei will take control, but if Danny stays in the South, then she can continue to advance, mm-hmm. right? But if Cersei, so she doesn't want to create a vacuum. So if Cersei and them do not, if, if they're not moving anywhere. Yeah, if they can get a peace, if they can get a peace agreement, more than anything, they're putting north. a pause on Cersei. But even then, it's like, okay, let's say you do have a peace agreement. Do you think that Cersei's going to honor the yeah, peace agreement? Yeah, that's the other part of it, is what you're trust you're trusting somebody who's probably the least trustworthy outside of Littlefinger. But, uh, yeah. I liked uh, Tormund at the Wall. I thought he was... I just love Tormund. Yeah. There's just so much about Tormund that I... I mean, the whole... He's, you know, just a point of clarification. Like, wait, there's two queens. 
And wait, you have to. Which one do you have to convince? The one with the dragons or the one that's fucking? Everybody? Yeah, that was great. No, and, and you know, and I, I again, there, there is a lot in this episode that's good, and it keeps me interested, and it keeps me moving. Um, but there would, you know, especially after that last episode, this is the one that had the most. Uh, okay, I guess. Uh, well, it's so crazy because that last episode, you were like, I would put this up against any episode in Game yeah. of Thrones. That was fantastic. Yeah, and then you follow it up with, and, and you know what? I think that that episode was great. And then, and I think that this episode could have been great too. It's just a few unforced errors, and it and it kind of took me out of it. I think you could have gotten away with having more journey for Davos and John. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, actually make make that a little bit less uh, of the focus and do some of the little finger machinations, have the Sam moment, all that stuff would work. Like, again, if you just cut this thing down to a 50 minute episode. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then I honestly think you can get away with moving the hound discovery in the middle of the next episode. If, if that, if sure. that's how it had to land, because I don't, I don't feel like that was as big of a deal as the other things at that point. Um, you yeah, know, and yeah, I mean, yeah. I, again, very Davos heavy, very, uh, <laughs> Almost comically, so <laughs> think about Davos. Yeah, because I think yeah, I've started. Davos has I've got, started. He's got moves, man. He, you know, he's <laughs> he knows just how to use a little bit of fermented crab. As a smuggler, Davos has got to be pretty clever. But if you think about the intelligence level of the usual guard in this world, yeah, it, you have to wonder: like, are you are you good, or are you just kind of? If you just know where the dumbest ports are. <laughs> I feel like one one could have probably talked his way out of the uh, interaction with the guard. Uh, th- the last scene where the team of unlikely allies are mm-hmm. moving north of the wall—that seemed that it was very Fellowship of the Ring to me. Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, you're on a quest. Uh, there's going to be lots of danger. And um, you're going up against, you know, the evil lord, and your team is made up of this hodgepodge group of people that wouldn't normally find themselves together. Yeah. Right. And so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe that was a conscious homage, but that definitely felt, uh, you know, Fellowship of the Ring, or I don't know, Fellowship of the Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that like the Hound and Tormund are gonna be like palling it up you know there's just so much possibility oh yeah like he just threw all kinds of different chemicals together and now you're gonna see what the reaction yeah no and i think that yeah it, that's it there i'm very interested in what's gonna happen next that so that part is not the it's not the problem this is where like again as you start to get concerned as you start as i know the inevitable wheels fall off this thing mm-hmm. and again i don't <laughs> know how or you know well, you're starting to see the seeds of chaos, so right? And that, and that's, that's where, I, and that's the kind of thing where I'm like, as soon as I've, I've interrupted my viewing to go, but uh, okay, um, that I, that's already it's already a concern, and um, and so what I'm trying to do. Well, at least part of your dream came true. Steve. That's true. I, and uh, it's not too late for the rest of it to come true. <laughs> no, that's very true. <laughs> I, I'm so I'm I'm at this point now where I'm like, do I like can I recalibrate? Because um, we started talking about the yeah the, well, the ending. I think tonight. If it, if Dorn is any indication, it's like well, 
they, you know, a couple really good episodes could bring you right back in. Right. It, you know. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying, so, so as the expectations get tempered, and again, I'm still having the struggle between like, how bad can it be? I can't wait. Um, it's the, okay, when do I start making the adjustment? When do I start to re, and this was a good episode for me to sort of go, okay, look, let me see where, what, is this the time where I start to shift the expectation and, um, like I said, recal- recalibrate my mm-hmm. engagement in the show? Because that I think is is an important aspect. Is because I when I when I buckle into this, I'm like, here we go, and uh, I get lost a lot of times. I didn't get as lost in this one because there was a lot of moments where I am taking a step back or I'm hitting pause and mm-hmm. asking a question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still very much interested. So I'm like, okay, how can I, how can I mine the, I'm still very interested. Let's see where we're going and start to divorce myself from the other nuances that I, that I loved so much. But the problem is I did love those nuances a lot. And if those nuances are starting to fade or they're becoming Yeah. Jumbled, and I think that there, there's more to come. There's more of those new, I mean, they're, they're, like I said before, I think that there's going to be moments that remind you that, Oh yeah, that's a great Game of Thrones moment. Mm-hmm. I really like. I really like that, and um, and you just kind of hope that the other stuff doesn't take you out so much that you can't appreciate those moments. No, and I think that that's key. And I think that's. I think that's probably why I like the last episode so much is because as soon as season seven started, which was a lot of assonance, um, I uh, I was I was preparing to downshift. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. I don't think I'm going to, here it comes, right? And then the first four episodes I thought were really great. I mean, there were some, you know, some pacing issues, some fast forward issues, but for the most part, I thought those, I'm like, I'm all, I've, I'll put this, I'll put these four episodes up against anything in, in five. And I liked five despite the door. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I was already like, so I, I tempered the expectations and all of a sudden I'm like, this is actually, I think, good even without the tempering. And then this one came. And this is, and so now I'm like, oh, is this, is this the beginning? Um, and that's where I'm kind of like, so, so it's again, there's, there's two shows I'm watching. There's the show that I'm engaged in, and then there's the overall, how is this going to fall apart show that I'm trying to watch, <laughs> and uh, and I'm 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 well, I'm interested in both, and so it's a very it's a very weird spot to be in because I yeah, haven't yeah. I haven't been in the spot before, um, so I'm I'm equally excited, but then I'm like, well. I don't want to get so involved in the, well, let's look at what falls apart that I'm now looking solely. Yeah. The uh, worst thing that could happen for you is if it's kind of middle of the road. Totally. Then you're, you're disappointed in two ways. Yeah. My, 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 my biggest fear is that the, the, the show engagement becomes kind of mediocre and it's like, Oh, okay. That's all right. And then, <laughs> then the ending is like, that's fine. For <laughs> me, if I walk out of this thing going, no, everything was fine. Uh, it's like, I, you know how I feel about comedy. I want to see great comedy or I want to see real bad comedy. The worst thing is boring comedy. <laughs> Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. I sort of default to a close reading, um, so it's like uh, I do my best to keep my mind uh, bifurcated so that mm. I can enjoy. I think that's maybe why the why I can enjoy this book and not be angry at at, at Martin. I get, I get sometimes I get angry emails, uh, not angry at me, but angry at Martin. I just got one the other day. It was like. <laughs> You know, calling Martin a fat asshole or something like that because he won't finish. I'm thinking, what? Well, come on now. That's. <laughs> I mean, of course, I get angry sometimes too, but I I can kind of push that to one side so mm. I can enjoy the the text in front of me. I just I just love the fact that you started this by saying how your idea of this podcast is to be a love letter to Martin's work, and then this person. Mm-hmm sent an email <laughs> the exact opposite of what exactly yeah no to. there is part of me that feels like if i can convince myself maybe i'm trying to fool myself if i can convince myself that this book is a gift even if there were no sequels mm-hmm. and and enjoy it in that way then maybe i can sort of lean toward my better angels mm. uh, but uh you know maybe just for my own benefit 
that I'm doing it. I don't know. I say, like, would you recommend? Would you recommend this book series to someone new, um, knowing oh, that they're going to be that they're going to be frustrated at the end? Yes, absolutely. In the same way that I would recommend watching Godfather Part One and Two to people. Like, mm. uh, you know, if you if you want to experience one of the greatest films ever made, uh, you should watch The Godfather. It's one of the greatest films ever made. And then it, it very well could be that the second movie is even better than the first. And you might want to experience that, too. And then I would say it's probably wise to stop there. Right. So I think that and I'm, I'm happy to do that with the Game of Thrones and I don't, I don't mind also saying like, but you just have to appreciate it for what it is and not necessarily be hell-bent on finding some sort of resolution. But I don't know. Let me ask you a different question. Mm-hmm. When you're watching movies, sometimes there will be sort of an open-ended movie mm-hmm. where it's like you get to the end of it and you're like, yeah, but but you didn't tell me what really happened. You're leaving it up to me to figure out like what I think happened. Some people really don't like movies like that. Some people would rather like there to be like a little bow at the end so that you have some closure with the narrative. And then some movies are like, well, now it's up to you interpreter. You know, you, it's up to, it's up to you to figure out how to read this ending. Which kind of movie do you like? This is a very embarrassing question because you know how they say that your brain isn't fully formed until you're like 21? Yeah. 24? Something like that. Something like that. Um, I believe the part of my brain that has maturity to understand that what's on TV is not in the real world when it comes to intrigue has not formed yet. It's coming, but it's not here yet. Um, and it's very embarrassing when I watch this is, films. This is people. not. No, no, you can't use this as an excuse because if you're, mat- <laughs> if you're mature enough to reflect upon your own age in this way, then you're absolutely mature. <laughs> you're absolutely mature enough to to answer the question. I so when there's when I watch a thriller, you do know uh-huh. Snowpiercer, great thriller series, right? Uh, are you talking about the television show or the movie? The television show. Yeah, I've watched uh, two or three seasons, something like that. So I was watching it with someone else, and uh-huh. um, I don't often watch series with other people. And I realized that I cannot watch a thriller series without skipping about 30% of it. Um <laughs> <laughs> because I can't handle the stress and I want to get to the end of the thriller sequence. So I guess uh-huh. that's the question. Uh, sure. I, I want to know yeah, if there's yeah. a piece, anyone that, had, that was like me and that could not admit it because it's too embarrassing. Uh-huh. Please send an email and we can create a Facebook group. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I would recommend these books uh, to people who are interested in, you know, good political fiction. Mm-hmm. Or good fantasy, I think. I mean, even people that are sort of open to sci-fi, I think, should be open to this book as well. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Like, for instance, like I don't. My wife's not into this book at all. But Ooh. I think my daughter would be. 
So anyway, I mean, it just depends. Uh, different books for different people, I suppose. But the, the fact that we will never see A Dream of String would not hinder me from recommending the book. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was just saying to my sister when I started the book, told me you got to be ready to, to be okay with the not ending. And I had to make peace <laughs> with that before I started. <laughs>